the Dakar Rally, one of the toughest races in the world. This off-road endurance race is set on terrain that is super challenging and not every car will be able to compete. Some stages are up to 900 kilometers a day through sandy dunes, mud, rock and other terrain designed to push any vehicle to its limit. Competing requires a vehicle that has been heavily modified or is even a complete custom build. Why are we learning about the Dakar Rally as we speed into Season 2 of the Waterfall Podcast? I'm Sia Sangweni, and in this episode, I got a chance to talk to Mark Corbett. You mentioned Dakar, it's one of my main passions, one of my biggest passions, but I think it's from a hobby that's got a little bit out of control. Mark has not only raced in the Dakar Rally before, but he has also built a custom car to compete. You know, over the years, I raced for different manufacturers, and a little while ago, a guy called Julian Hardy and myself, we started building cars and developing cars that we raced ourselves in Dakar. More recently, we built a faster car. We sold a few of the cars to different people all over the world. And a French guy, Mathieu Serradori, he raced the car last year in Dakar, his most recent one. And he was the first privateer to win a stage in 32 years. But Mark is not just known for his racing. His main job is heading up Century Property Development. And they played a big role in the look, feel and architecture of Waterfall Estate. Joining me on my discussion was Vili Foss. We've met Vili in previous episodes. He's the CEO of the Waterfall Management Company. Now, Vili explained how the relationship with Century and Mark started. Uh, Century played a very large role in the uh, startup of, of Waterfall. Um, the main focus uh, is residential at Waterfall, at least. Um, they were responsible and are responsible for the high end of the market. You know, they started with the equestrian estate and then the country estate and village, and there's two retirement villages and so on. And within that, we also have some sectional title developments. But the relationship goes back quite some time. In 2004, we signed an agreement with um, Century. Uh, and then from there on, uh, I think in 2006, the first houses or the walls were built in 2006. Maybe you started earlier. I can't remember. And, um, so Mark and his company played a huge role in the initial stages of waterfall and still are playing. Here's Mark. I think the big thing is it's been a great partnership for both parties over the years. I think we've created something that's quite exceptional from my viewpoint. But I'll take you back to the start. Basically, early 2002, we started negotiations with the Mears and with Werner von Rein, who represented the Mears. And we eventually concluded an agreement in 2004. And the basics behind the first phase of the development was to develop the equestrian estate. The idea always was to launch the estate from the top. So almost you see when airlines advertise, they always advertise business class because everybody's aspirational. Everybody wants to live in the fanciest home. So that's what we launched first. And originally we sold the stands for two and a half million for a stand in the equation estate. And even we weren't kind of aware of what the prices would do. I think Vili's aware of it, but the last stand just resold the equation estate for just over 16 million. So as you can see in that stand, we sold about nine years ago. So in nine years, the person's gone from two and a half to 16 million. It's just an indication of what values have done. An obvious testament to our success and the mere success of what we both envisaged for Waterfall. 
When we look at Waterfall Estate today, we can see incredible attention to detail that extends through the architecture to create a look and feel that we see when we travel through Waterfall. Yeah, well, Century was really started by my wife and I in the beginning, Jackie. She's an architect, so I get driven quite hard by her. <laughs> and it was really her concept from the architectural guidelines. Our idea and her idea was to create something that was really South African, something from a climate design point of view and a material usage point of view. It was more South African rather than reusing some European style. So the architectural guidelines are set up to be very much the use of raw materials. So raw brick, raw concrete in a kind of natural form. Obviously, it has a lower carbon footprint and better on the environment to do that. And then also was the use of indigenous landscaping. So there's quite a strict guideline in terms of what trees you can and can't use. And although Gauteng was, Jobik was very much a grassland, we believe that you should really use indigenous trees. They're much water-wise. They, they um, attract the different bird species from around you. So it was one of her driving forces is to create a set of guidelines that was one kind to the environment in terms of aesthetics and design-wise from a green point of view. And then second was from a landscaping point of view to ensure it fitted in. Mark and his wife drew inspiration from the environment. Yeah, a lot was the landscape. So we took the trees that naturally occurred along the river, along the Yoske River, and basically replicated those throughout the estate. But an interesting thing is the majority of the trees, the vast majority of trees on waterfall, we've grown by seed. So my wife and I started a nursery many years ago in the early 2000s. And at the moment, we've got about 600,000 indigenous trees under propagation in our nursery. So and all those trees you see in waterfall have been propagated by us from seed. It's quite a legacy. Vili explains how he doesn't hold people back from doing their best work. He let me know how he keeps things in control while also just letting go. The success of what we've done so far was that we got specialists in their particular fields. And uh, Century is definitely a specialist in their particular field. What we've learned over the years is that uh, we must let the specialists do what they are good at and develop what they've said that they are going to develop. And our role is basically to just make sure that things are coordinated. The way that we manage it, I think I may have mentioned it before, is that we have monitoring committee meetings and so on. And Mark and I and some of our colleagues uh, have met and still meeting quite regularly just to um, ensure that we are still on the same path as far as our vision is concerned. You know, uh, each relationship will have some ups and downs as well. So you can't enter into an agreement like like this, think that everything will go well all the time. But I think for I've, – I've been with Waterfall now for uh, just over 10 years and – Mark's been involved in it even longer. So you can just imagine what happens during this time. But if one has a very short-term um, outcome or view on it, then um, I think we, we wouldn't have been around anymore. It was very important for us to have specialists uh, doing the best that they can do in their particular field. And that, for us, has worked very well. A very important aspect to design is how it makes you feel. What do you want people to experience when they enter the space? Well, Vili expands on this idea and the vision for Waterfall as well. The advantage that we had and actually still have is the fact that we could plan from a clean slate, which inhibits some of the developments today you know, around us because they can't make the rules uh, from the beginning. So for us, it was important to have uh, an integrated approach so that when people 
come to waterfall, they must see what we planned. For example, the fact that we wanted to have an indigenous uh, architectural design. If you drive past there, you won't see a single, let's say, European-style design uh, from the street at least, you know, the main streets. You will see its earthy colors that, that we have, and that's uh, what Mark and Jackie introduced from the start. And then when you drive through our uh, road or on our roads, you'll see that it they are indigenous plants as far as we can possibly reach. Here and there, I think there may be some exceptions, but um, 90, more than 90% of it's that. So we want people to understand that what we planned and what our vision was is that we can get people to believe in that and hopefully that is what they are looking at you know sometimes once you are used to something you want something else or even uh, the same thing to become better but and so we do get criticism as well in the process but i think uh, looking back we did quite well under the circumstances so one of the things that sticks in my mind that Vilja and i've often heard is when people say they arrive at waterfall it feels like they can breathe you know, they come from the hustle and bustle of Joburg. They arrive in the estate and all of a sudden they feel like they can breathe. They that arrived home. So that's what we really want to achieve. We wanted to achieve a place of space. The guy's a bit calmer. But just to take you back a bit. So I think one of the things from us from a relationship point of view with the Mears and Waterfall, one of the things that benefited both parties was the fact that they were in for the long term. Same as us. We want to develop, and I think Jackie's view with the architectural guidelines was to generate something that was lasting, something that would still look relevant in 10, 20, 30 years' time. And I think that's one of the reasons why the relationship works so well with us over the long term, is that both of us had the same goal, ultimately, at the end of the day. Century Property Development and Waterfall recognized the issues that South Africa is facing and could see the writing on the wall for some problems, but particularly around electricity. And true to their word, they didn't just see the problem and run. They found a complex solution. One of Jackie's big drivers in terms of architectural gardens was green. A lot of people talk about green technology and green, but how do you actually do it? What are the things that are workable? So what are things that are actually cost effective? So we built a few of our own show houses on the estate and different cluster developments that we currently rent out at the moment. But in those cluster developments, we've implemented all the things that we think people should do as a showpiece. And originally in the main estate gatehouse, we had a green design center while people were building their homes. So they could see the different products and what they could use. But the basics are in all the homes, we put insulation under the floor slabs. So those are the types of things that you can't really retrofit. You know, you can put the insulation while you're building and it makes the house far more thermally stable. And then we put insulation in the walls. All the houses, the new homes are double glazed and they've got proper insulation in the roof. Most, most of them have wood burning fireplaces. And then one of the big factors was the gas network we put in. So right in the beginning, the mirrors and waterfall and us realized that energy was going to be an issue in South Africa. So what we did is we did a deal with Sassel where we essentially buy gas from Sassel and the gas that we buy is a byproduct from the conversion of coal into fuel. So it's butane and protein, but it's uh, natural, not natural gas, but that gas we then, that's a byproduct at Sassel that they would normally flare off and burn. We then take, we put it into big underground storage tanks in the estate, and that's what powers most people's heating. It's used for their hot water system. So we use a lot less electricity to begin with. Second of all, we've got an energy source, which is a byproduct from another production. So in that way, it is very green. 
You know, we've stri- strived at Waterfall to try and have a house that would use less than 50% of the energy of a normal home. In the case of one of our retirement villages, and that was after the developments being completed, the residents realized that the maximum demand that um, ESCOM uh, gave us was actually completely too much. So they uh, sold that maximum demand load back to ESCOM because they are using less electricity than what we even anticipated in the beginning. So, you know, that's now together with the LED lighting that we are, uh, you know, advocating and the design of the houses to be as in, uh, energy friendly as possible. There's one other thing that I think that we may have uh, left out so far, and that was the aspect around security. You know, when you build a house, you you want to be safe in that environment. Now, unfortunately, in in, in our country, you have to have more security uh, measures than what you would maybe get in some other countries, although there are other countries in the world where security is also uh, a big issue. But in this particular case, we made sure that once uh, you go into our developments, that it um, is a safe environment. And I think um, Century succeeded quite well in um, integrating the design of those walls. You know, I mean, a wall is a, is no, normally not a, a great aesthetically pleasing thing, but at least it blends in with the environment. That's fairly high walls. So I think uh, it's about 3.2 meters or something like that. So they managed to introduce that right from the start. And one other thing I wanted to point out, Mark's a bit modest about that, but it's the bridge that uh, they built across the Yekske River. And even from that, from an uh, architectural, aesthetical point of view, even that uh, is quite a pleasing sight. So maybe Mark can give you a bit of background on what they thought when they uh, built that bridge. The bridge is actually an Armco arch structure, so it's an earth bridge. So we did quite a bit of research in trying to generate an arched bridge it would be there for a hundred years. So it was something different, not the normal kind of concrete structure that you would get. So the same Armco barriers that you see on the side of the road, that steel structure was used to form the arches. So it was rolled specifically for us by Armco and we used that to form the arches. But it was quite a thing. We wanted to create something that was old world and something that again would look relevant in 50 years time. Just back to security, we tried with the wall to try and make it a bit aesthetic. You know, the last thing you want to do is cut yourself off completely from the environment. So it is also concrete reinforced. It's the sad reality of the environment we live in today. And we put thermal cameras right around the perimeter. Yeah, which is uh, an important thing from a surveillance point of view. And we've got all sorts of other software uh, enhancing uh, mechanisms that we've put in. But if you go and ask people why are they living at Waterfall, then one of the things that comes up very early would be the security environment. Now, that doesn't mean that we will never have crime there and so on, but uh, so far we've managed to keep it quite low. Together with that, we've uh, introduced uh, quite some significant extra measures on the roads. We have number plate recognitioning, and uh, it's it's proven to be quite successful you won't believe how many people are driving with uh, suspicious cars. Uh, I, I didn't realize that, but now that I know, <laughs> I've seen it in, in the last few months, it's, uh, it's actually a little bit frightening. Sustainability and being green are very important to both Century Property Development and Waterfall Management Company. And even though they have a plan for electricity usage, they still want to tackle water. So one of the other big aspects with the green technology we use with Waterfall was that all the irrigation water 
is taken out of the Yerske River. So we've got water rights from the old farm. In the old days, they used to use that water through a canal system to irrigate the farm. And what we did is we applied and we converted those water rights to be able to use them for irrigation. And we still use a portion of the original canal and original weir system to take that water off the Yerske River. We run it through an ozone plant. The particular, the reason why we chose ozone is because it's environmentally friendly, so we don't add any chlorine or anything to purify the water. We run it through an ozone plant, and then that water is then used to irrigate all the common verges and waterfall. So again, our biggest issue is that in Joburg, in the near future, we believe that we're going to have similar water constraints to what Cape Town had, because we're a huge city that's growing, and we don't really have a big water source close by. So that was our way of ensuring that our, as waterfall, it used less water taking off the load. In fact, the water that Waterfall uses for irrigation is using this treated water. So they have a plan for electricity and water, but they still want to make it even more green while innovating on design. You can always design a house thermally so that you have the correct overhangs on the northern facade and you give some lighting from the north. Even if your house faces south because of some issue with layouts, you can always get northern light into it. And that's one of the things we try to promote in the architectural guidelines. Interesting thing is the clubhouse we built. I know it comes up quite often, but what we tried to do with the clubhouse is a third of the walls of the clubhouse, the surrounding walls, are actually buried underground. So we tried to reduce the thermal kind of lag of the building and try and increase it so that during winter it would stay warm and in summer it would stay cool. And then the entire roof of the building is essentially a grassland garden that we then irrigate to keep the building cool during summer. And it's got electronic openers on the windows. So as the building hits a certain temperature, it can turn on its irrigation on the roof to cool the building down and it opens all the high-level windows to get the air to circulate through. An important part of Waterfall Estates are the lifestyle facilities, walking and biking trails, for example. Now, this was always part of the planning when designing the estate. Yeah, the idea was always to create a lot of green belts that went throughout the estate so people could not only live in their stand, you know. I think everybody's come to me that your stand has got smaller and smaller. The average size of the stands are probably 1,200 square meters, which is quite big in today's terms, but you want to be able to live outside your stand be able to cycle to school. So we made a network of green belts throughout the estate. So the child from any area of the estate can get onto one of the green belt paths and essentially cycle to school or walk to school without having to walk along the roads. So it's one of the key factors that you can cycle, you can walk. There's mountain bike trails, there's little BMX trails. But one of the things that we often get asked about is originally Waterfall was going to be a golf estate. So Quite a swear word in today's terms, but we originally did a lot of research on terms of building a golf estate that was environmentally friendly. So we did a lot of research on the grass types that we could use that were indigenous grasses and different um, tree designs and different designs of the golf course. But a little bit of a blessing in disguise, our environmental authorization for the golf course was turned down early on. And so it was converted to more of a lifestyle estate. So that's what you see it today at the moment. When it comes to unique architecture and waterfall, one of the first things you will see are the gatehouses. I think Jackie, my wife, had a lot of fun designing the different gatehouses in the estate. I think there's some very unique ones. One, it looks like a mound of earth. We actually had to build a mound of earth and then cast a concrete slab over the entire thing. And then after we had finished the building, we then dug all the earth out of the inside of the gatehouse to try and get the concrete form. So it was very unique. Another gatehouse is completely off the grid. It won a few awards for solar trees. 
We've got structures that look like trees and then the solar panels are meant to look like leaves on the tree. So it's quite unique that that gatehouse is completely off the grid. What is evidence is that the relationship between Waterfall Management Company and Century Property Development is really strong. And in some ways, a match made in heaven. Both Mark and Vili tend to agree. Just from my viewpoint, I think that, you know, even though we've been developing a long time for 16 years, 17 years to date, I think the best is still to come. I think waterfall is only in its infancy, and I think the best of waterfall is really still to come. We're only really going to see the values escalate as time goes on. And I think that's because both the Mears and waterfall and ourselves, a century, have a long-term view of the project. And I think that's where you're going to really see the value at waterfall. Yeah, I want to add on to that. Um, if it wasn't for the long-term view and um, the way in which they uh, initially designed the environment – I don't think we would have seen the waterfall that we see today. As long as waterfall continues to be a city, what's been done here will have a lasting um, effect on our relationship and on the being of, of waterfall. A partnership that is now reaping the benefits many years later as it's still raking up awards. What happened was that uh, Waterfall Hills won the best retirement, well, actually the best residential development in the world prize in 2009. And uh, subsequent to that, we have enrolled the Greater Waterfall uh, Development as well, and we managed to win the best mixed-use development in the world three times. But it was uh, because of what Mark started at that point in time that gave us the motivation to continue with this uh, approach. And e- even if you read a recent press during the December holiday, you'll see that uh, Waterfall Hills, uh, one of the two retirement villages, was one of uh, rated as one of the top five in, in South Africa still after all these years. Uh, it's been 11 years since uh, the original, uh, I think the first construction started. So um, it did play an important role in the initial setup of, of Waterfall. The people that are living at these retirement villages are usually or mainly captains of industry. And they have also assisted us uh, during the time to market it. Our one factor with the retirement village, we really wanted to create something that was a lifestyle estate. That's why we call it a mature lifestyle estate rather than a retirement village where people can start living. So you'll see the clubhouses are very unique. They're almost like a cruise liner anchored in Joburg. You know, they've got billiards rooms and cinemas and heated pools and lounges and libraries. So it's really a place where people can live. And the other factor about it is in a lot of circumstances the parents will stay in the mature lifestyle estate and the kids will stay in waterfall so therefore it's an, a seamless um, kind of interface where kids can walk from school can walk through to the mature lifestyle estate stay with the grandparents during the day the grandparents can look after them it really develops the sense of community to be able to cater to all aspects of life mark was quick to jump in to give accolades to his team Right from the person who is the bricklayer to the guy who puts the design together. You know, and any success is always a group of people that create the success. So I think any accolade like, like that where the best mixed use development or best retirement village in the world, it's a great success or great um, accolade for the, everybody involved. Thanks for listening to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Waterfall Podcast. If you missed any episodes, they are available on the Go Waterfall app.